And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. This is Andy Webb with Lifestyles Unlimited, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Let me tell you, earlier in the week, I headed out to the curb with my son. He likes to go out there with me to, to check the mail, and usually what happens, he puts his, his hand in the mailbox. He gets about two pieces of mail. Half of it falls on the ground. There's a bundle left behind, and anyhow, this week, usual junk mail. Uh, coupons, grocery store, whatnot. We want to buy your house. I get a lot of those uh, postcards. I'm sure you do too. And of course, what time is it now? It is tax time. So I've been getting a lot of the uh, 1099 INTs from my banks and 1098s from my, my lenders and whatnot. And that is when I saw something that I had not thought about for, for a while. It came in one of those, you know, those kind of special uh, envelopes where you fold one side, tear off the strip of paper, fold the other, tear off the strip of paper, fold the top, do the same thing, and then you slide your, you know, your finger in there to unfold the paper, and there it was. There it was. The final W-2 of my corporate life. That final tax statement detailing my, my earnings from, from that era. Last one. Last one, because I retired from corporate America in early March, or late March, of uh, last year. And I'll tell you, as much, as much as I hate doing taxes, and that's what we're going to talk about today, as much as I hate doing taxes, this was a very happy reminder. The, the, truly the final vestige of my, my corporate career. Now, hold on. You say final vestige? Really? What about that 401k? People usually leave a job and, and, and they schlep those around with them after the job, right? Well, no, I didn't even hold on to that. That 401k, I did not keep that lingering around. Something to worry about, think about, watch as it goes up and down. I pulled those out last year as well using something called a 401k partition, and I shut it down. I pulled out the funds. I've now since gone on and invested those funds in something that I control. And it, it was very much timed to the, the exit, to my, my, my job exit. So here's what I want to do on today's show. It is tax time. I want to tell you... A little bit about how I was able to retire from corporate America because you can do the same just listen closely you you can do the same it's not hard and then I do want to dive into taxes the IRS just a week or so ago opened their systems for uh, 2022 tax return filings. so some people may have already begun that I certainly haven't so let's talk taxes now and, and I'll tell you I have not received it yet. I'll be checking my mailbox again, um, maybe digitally, but I should be getting the tax documents for the the very first apartments that we invested, my wife and I invested in as passive investors because those apartments, they just sold last year as well. Get this, a 100% capital gain on that sale. How is that? That's doubling our money. What's the impact of, of that going to be on our tax burden as we go to do our filings? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm happy that we doubled our money, but surely that'll be a tax hit, right? A big tax hit. Let's talk about that when we get to uh, some of the tax advantages of real estate investing. We'll take a look at that today as well. And how about that 401k withdrawal that I mentioned You know, when I left the job? What are the tax implications there? What about the early withdrawal penalty? I'm, I'm well under retirement age. 
So there is that 10% penalty. I did avoid that, and I'll tell you how we did that. Last thing I want to get to is property taxes because that happened uh, recently as well. I just paid all of my property taxes for the prior year for all of our portfolio. Ouch. Ouch. If you have any rental houses, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you have a personal house, you know what I'm talking about. But I did have a listener question over the last few weeks, and he asked whether it is a good idea to manage the escrow of those funds for property taxes as well as insurance yourself. Is it better to do it yourself or let the lenders do that? Commonly, you know, when you buy your own personal property, typically that quote mortgage payment that you're making includes principal and interest as well as taxes and insurance, but it doesn't have to. You can self escrow. Is that a good idea? That's a great question. Let's let's talk about that as well. Now to start, I did leave corporate America. How? How did how did I do that? It's very easy. It was just one house at a time, buying one rental property at a time. Now, if you're familiar with the show, you know that as investors and as members, rather, at Lifestyles Unlimited, we we invest in residential real estate, either single family houses or apartments, or we do both. I now do both. So we continue to grow. We continue to add house after house, and you may have heard shows where we talk about the cash flow snowball, and that's exactly what this demonstrates is that that cash flow, that net cash flow, it gets bigger and bigger every time you add another property. You may be adding multifamily investments as a passive investor. That's what I'm doing now, and you'll see the same effects there. Now, I began as a single family investor. That's ten, That tends to be what I focus on, and that's where a lot of people start, and I think that is a perfectly good place to begin. Now, as we grew, we, we learned ways to tap into capital because this becomes important as well. We do need money to invest, whether it's apartments or, or houses. And as we grew our equity in those rental properties, we saw and we learned through Lifestyles Unlimited, hey, we can do a couple of things. We can sell those properties or we can tap into that very equity by just doing a cash out refinance and hanging on to those properties. We did that in those first two and easily took out 100, 110K very quickly put that back into play and the snowball grows that's how you leave corporate America build that cash flow snowball now other things we did as we grew and as we learned it's not just getting into that capital it's preserving capital and that's what we'll talk about today it's through the tax advantages for one thing because it's not what you make it's it's really is what you keep at tax time as well as when we sell. And there are ways to preserve that capital when you sell one of those houses or even those apartments uh, and roll that into more investments and defer those taxes. If you can hang on to that money, I think you would agree, you can invest more. Another thing I, I learned over the years is don't buy cash. You know, this goes for our investments. We talk about that a lot. We are not cash buyers of these properties. So it goes with both for our investments, but as well for some of maybe the bigger ticket consumer items that, that includes your personal house as well. You know, I've talked on earlier shows about the RV bunker rather than plopping down. It was maybe 23K at the time when we bought it. Rather than just putting that up, poning that up all up front, we financed it. And with that 23K, you're going to hear later what I invested in one of these apartment uh, syndications, there's a very close match there. I would much rather have that money go into an asset that is producing income than put it all into something that normally is a depreciating thing like an RV or a car or a truck. That's why we talk about cash flow chunking as well, which is where I'm going to match an inbound cash flow to an outbound expense. And that may be a car payment, an RV payment, 
your house payment, uh, something like that. And wait until we get to our discussion about uh, escrowing property taxes as far as tapping into capital sources. By the way, in the, the last quarter, uh, but before as we transition here, the last quarter that I worked, I left the job late March uh, 2022, uh, my, my employer offered a health plan that included an HSA, uh, what is that, health savings account, and I just started throwing all of my cash, every every paycheck into that HSA. There, I think the max contribution for the family at the time was a little north of $7,000. I just put it all in there. I mean, I had, had paychecks that were close to a goose egg. Uh, many, many sessions, you know, I think we got paid on a, a two-week cycle. And, and the reason I did that was to really pull that that paycheck down, that employer W-2 that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I just got that in the mail. Happy, A happy reminder that I left corporate America, but it is very, very minimal because I pulled all of that cash out, essentially into the HSA tax deferred. And in my case, and we've had conversations on the show, you can go to our website, lifestylesunlimited.com, uh, click on the radio tab. We've talked about insurance, all, all manner of insurance, including health insurance, because that was a big question for me. We decided to go with COBRA for the, the remainder of the year. As it is, you can use HSA funds to pay for COBRA. So we essentially were paying for that premium, right, with pre-tax money. Now, be careful. Talk with your CPA. Not all premium, healthcare premium can be paid out of an HSA. It depends on what you're talking about. Very much lowered our tax burden. Very helpful as I'm looking at my W-2 right now. And that takes me to tax time. So tax time, first, you know, looking back a decade or so, a decade or more now, the very first thing I did after we got our first rental house is I found and I hired a CPA. We talk about it on the show all the time. Up until that date, I'd always just done my own taxes with some tax product online or whatever. Um, hated doing it. I was thrilled to death to hire that CPA. And we talk about building your team all the time on the show. And this is a place where you should do that as well. Hire a professional to be part of your team. If you are an apartment investor, an independent rental owner, you buy your own apartment investments, this is a must. If you are syndicating an apartment deal, this is 100% a must. I do not want to hear that my syndicator is wasting their time preparing their tax returns. Never seen it happen, but I think that's a must. If you are a single-family rental investor like I am, I strongly, strongly recommend it. It just took a huge burden, even with one or two houses. Sounds manageable, right? It took a huge burden off my shoulders. And I have met I have met investors over the years with 50 plus houses that do the tax filing themselves. I think they're crazy. Even if you are a CPA yourself, that just sounds to me like another full-time job. And you have more important things to do with your time finding that next investment. In fact, you could be missing investment opportunities right now if you are mired in your own tax prep. Find a CPA, hire a CPA. First thing I did when we got that first rental property and I was thrilled to death and I have no regrets. Now, there is a certain level of prep, some preparation that I have to do for my CPA. I just checked ahead <laughs> of the show. Um, she sends me a, a tax organizer every year, kind of help, help me organize my, my data. Yeah, this year, for, for the prior year rather, it's 82 pages long. I mean, it's fairly complex for us with with all of the houses and, and we're adding apartment investments all the time. So tracking, tracking your data, I know that that may seem like it can be a challenge. It doesn't have to be. Um, it really depends and, and it comes down to you and whether you have 
whether you have a system in place or not. And this is a very common conversation when I go out to landlord groups, when I talk with my peers at Lifestyles Unlimited, um, single family rental owners that have a good sized portfolio like I do, this is a very common discussion point. How do you organize your books? How do you prepare for, for tax time? Having a good system in place uh, saves you a lot of heartache. Yeah, I have an 82-page uh, organizer that I'll be sitting down with at some point, but it won't take me that long. You know, set the little little son up with some activities. I'll sit next to him, and I'll start to work through that thing, and it'll fly by. Now, we're going to head into a quick break. I'll tell you about some of the systems that I've heard landlords and, and fellow rental owners do use. You may want to look at those, and I'll tell you how I do it when we come back. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Stop waiting. Stop sitting around. Stop procrastinating. This is your time. Make it happen. Do it now. When's the best time? Now. People go, well, I don't know. It's going to crash. It's going to be better next year. It's, I've got to listen to four more classes. I love guys come up to me and tell me, you know, I've been listening to you on the radio for eight years now, right? <laughs> I go, and you're not rich yet? Well, really, I'm thinking about joining next month. <laughs> Do it now. Learn the skills you need to retire with real estate in five years or less. Do it now. Register for the Lifestyles Unlimited free online workshop, lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Andy Webb. If you have any questions, send me an email to askandy at luinc.com. And, and typically when I do shows on taxes, I get a ton of questions and, and I get it. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the IRS. It's uh, They're pretty convoluted, aren't they? But uh, they've opened their books, so it is tax time. It is time to start thinking about this now. We're going to talk in a moment about K-1s, and, and those really aren't due until mid-March. So I've got a, I got a lot of lead time, but I'm going to get done what I can very soon. And I'm going to lean very heavily on the system that I've built that I use. This is unique to me. This is nothing you would you would do, although you may build something similar. We were just talking ahead of the break what other landlords might use, other uh, property owners, and, and I've had a lot of these conversations over the years. I periodically think about shifting away from my my system, and, and some of the, I'd say the, the, the most common ones that I've heard of late are QuickBooks, so you might look at that. The problem right now, what I'm really hearing out there, is that they've taken their prices up very, very massively, so uh, their cost has increased significantly. A lot of people, to get away from that, I know, have shifted to a, a platform called Stessa. That's S-T-E-S-S-A. good friend of mine uses that, in fact. It used to be free. Some components of that are now pay-to-play as well, though not, not, not terribly expensive. That might be one you, you, you look at. Uh, another one over the years, I've heard plenty of pros as well as cons from from fellow uh, rental owners, single families. What we're talking about primarily, uh, it, it's called Buildium. Uh, one of my one of my lead investors uses this, you know, so that might be a, a system. 
and then a final one that I that I've heard a lot about from from larger uh, owners of larger portfolios is called Appfolio. Uh, it can be very expensive if you don't have a lot of doors, so that might be one you weigh as you get larger, or maybe as you go into the apartment space. So there are just four, the most common four that I tend to hear. There are a lot out there. It's just like when I get questions about rental payment systems. There are so many out there. You talk to your your, your favorite investors, the ones you, you are trying to uh, mirror um, that have had success, see what they're doing, you know, on payment systems, on, on these systems as well. Now, how do I do it? I, you know, I'm a decade plus in as a single family investor, and I, I still use good old fashioned Excel spreadsheets. Now, you have to remember that that corporate role that I just left and was doing for a couple of decades almost, um, that's precisely what I did was a lot of financial reporting and a lot of that is in Excel. So I'm very comfortable with that. If you're comfortable with that, well, maybe look at that. It doesn't cost me anything. It may cost me a little bit more time, perhaps, uh, updating at year end, that sort of thing. Um, but I'm very comfortable with that. And that's what I use. That's, that's all that I use. And you may ask, and this may help inform your decision, what, just what is it that we're having to track on a single-family rental property? Well, best place you can go, really, is the, the IRS. You may hear some, some paper here in the background. From that very 82-page organizer, I printed out two pages for one of my rental houses, uh, just to give you an idea. It's interesting, on the income side, this is called Schedule E. By the way, it's it's Schedule E uh, for, from the IRS. And if you're building out your own system, your spreadsheet, whatever, this is probably a, the best place to start because this is what you're going to have to report. And it's interesting because the, 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 the thing we're all interested in, the revenue, the rents, there's only one line for that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just one line. It says rents or royalties uh, received. And I can tell you that when I built my system out years ago, um, I was much more detailed than that. I've got rent. I've got uh, security deposit withheld, right? If they, the resident moves out and I with, withhold some of that, that's revenue, pet fees, application fees, late fees, maintenance, uh, recharges, other income. I have all these categories. I, I do track them in that detail, but it all gets merged into income uh, for, for the IRS. They're, they're more interested on the expense side. Hey, hey, business owner, what are you doing to try to get out of paying those taxes? And there are, I don't know, they don't have them enumerated for me to easily count for you, maybe a dozen or so, including advertising, automobile costs, travel. Don't really use those. In fact, just looking at this one, it looks like I've used one, two, three, four, maybe five, five of the line items. I've used cleaning and maintenance. Anytime I do a, a turn, Meaning somebody moves out, somebody else is moving in, I clean. All right, that's going to come into play. Commissions, perhaps, if I pay a leasing agent. One that I absolutely use, that mortgage interest. I, we get to expense that. That's a big ticket item. Property taxes. We're going to talk about that. We get to expense that. Big ticket item. And then some other odds and ends like that, that system that I use to collect rents. I do pay for that um, every month. So we track that. There's not a lot to it. That's why I say for me in Excel, maybe for you on a... Uh, legal pad. I've heard of people just keeping their date on legal pads. Ah, you know, it might be time to fast forward into uh, the newest century, but um, there are lots of ways to do that. But I would tell you to start with the Schedule E so that you can see what the, the, the government, the IRS, is looking at and, and build around that. You know, multiple expenses being the the key point. And, and really, no matter the system, it, it really is incumbent upon you to be disciplined. And I think that will probably be the topic for next week's show is discipline, uh, not in this context necessarily, but it's being consistent, which for me means when I get a receipt, I file it, it goes into my spreadsheet, and I forget it. I get it off my plate. 
it's quicker for me to do it that way. There just aren't as many moving parts. If I wait till the end of the month, I have to recreate sometimes in my own head. I just want to get it done. So I file it now. And what that means is I enter it into my spreadsheet. I take a picture of it. It goes out to the cloud and I destroy it. Don't ask me why, but for years I would take a picture of that receipt and then I would also put it in an, <laughs> in an envelope. Well, I've since destroyed those envelopes with the help of my little son and, and, and the burn pile, but um, take a picture, be done. That's single family. Now here's the really cool part. As we move to more and more and more passive apartment investments, much like I, you know, thinking about that first investment, I sit back and I, I relax and I wait for the mailbox money to come in. Well, I do the same thing at this time of year. I just sit back and relax and I wait for those K-1s to roll in. The K-1 is the document that you get as an individual investor in a syndicated apartment investment that shows your participation, your, your gain or loss, as it were, your capital account. And those are due March 15th from the investors. So I don't have to do anything. But when I go to file my, my, my taxes with Uncle Sam, he says, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're not making any money or you're, you're even making a loss. So if you're doing it right, that's what gets you, that's how, that, that helps you avoid those or defer those taxes at tax time. With our houses, we create a lot of losses at the outset due to the renovation expenses. And you'll have to talk with your CPA how they treat those. And I can remember when we started out, we had so many losses on paper, right? We're doing capital expenses and some expenses are treated as immediate expenses. We were able to actually offset our earned income up to a certain level. Again, conversation for your CPA and here as well, you wanna have very good systems for tracking. That's on houses. What about apartments? Same thing there, just at a much more massive scale. So when I look at my Schedule E for this particular property, I have a little bit of depreciation there. If I didn't do anything in particular on any given apartment, just depreciated 27 and a half years, we'd have a bigger number naturally. But our lead investors, our syndicators, they know of a particular approach called accelerated depreciation. They do what's called a cost segregation study. They look at every aspect of that property. Because if you, if you dial it in, take it under a microscope, that carpet depreciates faster than the structure, the actual walls. The asphalt pavement depreciates differently than that wooden fence or that AC unit. Well, when they do that study, they really break it down and they're able to accelerate that depreciation. I got into a passive multifamily investment a year or so ago, and our depreciation percentage was 68%, meaning if I had put in $100,000, I would have a 68K loss showing for that year. What can I do with that loss? I can offset other gains. And that takes me back to that apartment investment I mentioned in the very first segment. I'm looking for that K-1. We sold after 18 months. It was a very small, uh, smaller apartment community. And, you know, it turns faster. Those small, I like those smaller investments for that reason. Very quick repositioning in and out in 18 months, but a 100% return in 18 months, we doubled our money. In this case, I'm going to tell you now, we put in $25,000. You don't have to be a multimillionaire to invest in apartments, $25,000. We doubled that number. We got 50K back, but that is a 100% capital gain. Aren't I gonna be burdened with massive taxes on that? No, because that other apartment we got into a year later had that big accelerated depreciation loss. So that's gonna offset. So I won't, owe, I won't owe any taxes on that capital gain or any other capital gains we've had right throughout that year. It's a great approach and one of the big tax advantages is that depreciation and you can keep that rolling. I have no plans to quit, so we will keep that rolling. 
Now, as far as my houses go and, and, and some apartments, you may sell those and have those capital gains and want to defer those and roll those gains into your next investment. You can do that with a 1031 exchange. Taxes will be due at some point when you stop the process years, decades down the road, or you know maybe you just keep going until you die and hand those off to your heirs, then that whole thing resets. But by doing a 1031 exchange, we are able to defer those capital gains taxes. Yes, there is recapture on that depreciation that we took. We can defer the taxes on that as well. That's part of that 1031 exchange. Now, something we cannot defer, and I, as I mentioned earlier, I, <laughs> I experienced this very painfully uh, last month. We cannot defer the payment of those property taxes. We get our tax bills usually October and they say hey, it's due now, you can pay now, you can pay November, you can pay December. But the latest you can pay, at least here in Texas, is January 31. After that, you start to accrue rather expensive penalties. And at some point, you could go to the tax sale, which is where we pick up some properties. But I don't want to do that. I want to make sure I pay it, but I wait. I wait till the very end of January. And this is where the listener wrote in um, a couple weeks ago and said, hey, would it make sense for me to escrow to pay those property taxes and do it myself rather than have my lender do it? And I told him, I said, absolutely, if you are organized, right? See our earlier discussion around tracking and handling your own uh, in and out of revenues and expenses for, for tax time. If you are, are disciplined and, and can manage that escrow, I think it's a great idea. That is absolutely what I do. The very first two properties that we bought as, as rental properties, we did allow the lender to escrow those. And I regretted it, and I hated it, and they double paid the taxes one year. I said, this is, I hate this. At some point, we pulled those out, and every property since, we self-escrow. What does that do for us? Well, number one, we earn a little bit of interest. Of course, that's been going up and up and up. Um, so we're earning a little bit more interest on those balances. And when I go to buy more houses, typically you're going to talk to a lender. They're going to say, hey, you need six months worth of PITI. That's the principal and interest on the loan. That's the taxes and that's the insurance. They're going to want to see maybe six months. It depends on where you are in your progression, but and it depends on the lender, but commonly six months in reserves. Well, guess what? Middle of the year, that escrow balance for me anyhow is already pretty large. I just show them that account show them those balances. Here's my liquidity. And speaking of liquidity, if a great opportunity comes along and again, middle of the year, and I've got, let's say 50 K sitting in that escrow account, I can loan that money to myself, right? To our earlier conversation about finding capital, I have absolutely done this in order to close on a, a, an investment opportunity, a single family house quickly. But here too, be careful because you do have to pay the piper that will be coming due. Be sure that you have an exit strategy and a plan to get that money, that money back out. A couple other cautions. If you do plan to self escrow, um, I personally, I like to review at mid year and we'll talk, we'll talk later in the year about property tax protests, because as I go through that uh, protest season and the dust settles, I'll see what my balances are or what my uh, tax burden will be. And it's usually lower than what I think it'll be in April when they initially set the values. I have a lot of success when I go out and protest, get those values down while well, I adjust. That lets me keep more cash in my pocket. Countervailing weight that we've been seeing lately though, here in Texas at least, and I know Florida will as well, that is insurance. 
Uh, I escrow typically using prior year's insurance premium, and I may need to change that because we've been seeing some pretty large 10, 20, even 30% increases in insurance premia of late. Now, if I see a 30% increase, what's the first thing I do? I get on the phone with my insurance broker, say, shop it. Let's see what you got. Get that back down. But do, do consider that as well when you escrow, because you're not just escrowing for taxes, you're also escrowing for insurance at that point as well. But I think it's a great idea. You have more liquidity, you can show those balances when it comes to doing more loans with other lenders, and you're, you are earning some interest, right? That's, that's gone up over uh, the past year. Final topic, I mentioned this at the outset, and this is on the notion of sourcing capital to invest. Yes, I did pull out my 401k. As we were headed, or as I was headed for that corporate door, exit door, I said, you know what, let's pull this out. I'm not gonna be tied to this employer. We set into place what's called a 401k partition. And you can do this in some states, not in others. Here too, talk with your CPA or find somebody that does a 401k partition. And what it does, it allows you to avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty. Again, I'm not of retirement age, if I had just pulled that out without doing anything else, I would have owed taxes as well as 10%. But that 401k partition is a way to allow me to avoid that penalty. Now, it doesn't save me on taxes. My uh, 401k provider, they withheld 20% for the tax man. Yours may not, so pay attention and, and, and prepare for that, of course. But uh, it gets me more capital to invest, and that went straight to work for me. Of course, I also have peace of mind now knowing that I am in control of my money and I'm no longer watching that roller coaster up and down, down 22%, right, in, in 2022, the S&P. So I've got a lot of peace of mind now knowing that I have that control. And we used one of the vendors off the Lifestyles Unlimited uh, vendor hub, someone I know countless other investors have used as well. So I felt very comfortable, but that money is now safe, was safe in my hands. It's now safe in the hands of uh, some very uh, promising lead investors in some apartments. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. And I'm excited to see where you go. We've talked a lot today about taxes, tax burdens, tax benefits as well, uh, things you can do in terms of systems and ways to get to that capital. So please employ these to work on your progression towards that financial freedom. It starts with one house, it starts with one apartment, and it starts by learning more by going to lifestylesunlimited.com. Click on our free workshop, read about our coming wealth and passive income expo. I don't know if we have tickets left. They may be sold out, so check that out as well. And remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The 
information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.